And then they have to be educated in a specific way. And you need to understand what kind of people you need in your innovation teams. And those are a, a diversity of people uh, to be able to understand where you are going to get them from either inside the company or, or source from outside of the company. But you need to have some sort of idea of, of the people that you need and the kind of education that you, are, you can give or if you want these skill sets to be taken from outside. Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sophion Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Glad you could join us again. Hope you're all having a good week and you're approaching wintertime. So I hope that's uh, going to be a good season for you all, no matter where you are. I have the pleasure of, of speaking again with Esther Hans. She's joined us again. She came a couple of months ago, I guess it was, talking about innovation accounting, and she had just written a book about innovation accounting. And she and I had a chance to actually meet between then and now in person. And she uh, actually has a second book that she's co-authored as well called The Corporate Startup, which is pretty interesting. And in general, the whole concept of how do enterprises and established companies get into corporate startup type of thinking. So she's agreed to come back and talk about that and wherever else we go with our conversation. Esther, welcome back. Thanks, Paul. And doing a great job on my Dutch, uh, <laughs> yeah. I hear. Cons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I try. I try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine how many ways your name is probably said. <laughs> yeah. So how's things? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be back. I'm stuck in winter here in Amsterdam, just, I suppose, like everywhere. So we're back in our houses in this pandemic winter, but I'm glad to be on the show, Paul. Great. And how's your innovation accounting book coming along? It was just launched when we spoke last time. Yes, it's, it's just launched in Europe. Um, and it's doing pretty well since it's getting sold out every time in, in Amazon and mm. other stores as well. So... I'm hoping um, all the best for, for its release in the in the States in March 22. Yeah, I do know that I was able to get a copy and actually get a second copy because I want to bring one back to somebody from a, a bookseller local. So the booksellers have a way to still find them if anybody's interested. <laughs> yeah, right. So the, your best bet is to actually go to a physical bookstore and order it there. Right. That Whenever you are in Europe, yeah. <laughs> when you're probably, in Europe or you know yeah. somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Great. And this other book you wrote was a few years ago now, I think four or five years ago? Four years ago, the corporate startup, yes. yes. Yeah. And you co-wrote that, I think, with one or two other people. Yeah. So with, with Dan Thomas, the same author I co-authored Innovation Accounting with, and Tendai Vicky. Let's describe that book uh, for us for a minute. I mean, in the back, it, it says what I said in the intro, a practical guide for established companies. So I thought that was really interesting. It's a guidebook, a playbook, I think, is, is what you call it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a playbook or a bit of a blueprint, really, for, for how you could set up an ecosystem that caters for both your your core company and as well as for corporate startups. Yeah, yeah. So why would somebody want to do a corporate startup? What's driving that? Uh... Yeah, what's driving corporates to do corporate venturing? I, I think there's there's multiple reasons, right? So four years when the when the book came out and, and then even a couple of years before, 
what we saw is that corporates were feeling threatened by startups because startups were 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 moving qu really quickly and they saw that a lot of their uh, business models and a lot of their businesses were actually taking being taken over by startups that came out of nowhere or so to speak for them right so the airbnbs and, and ubers uh, of the world that that suddenly took over uh, part of their markets even so i think for for a lot of corporates back then it was also a, a threat of disappearing mm -hmm. being taken over by startups and innovate or die was was one of the credos that you heard a lot uh, back then uh, why why you should should start and and innovate so uh, trying to to do corporate venture venturing inside a company rather than look for startups outside was something that um, was looked at uh, seriously because taking over other startups was not always just uh, the answer to to that question i think it has matured the world a little bit since then what you see is that corporate venturing actually has become a very serious business for a lot of companies that's also why we wrote the second book right innovation accounting so if you are doing corporate venturing how do you actually measure this but then not only because of the innovate or die credo, because of the threat of outside startups, but more of um, understanding that your own core business model is not always going to be around. And if you see the change and how fast this is going, you should try and look at the opportunities in the future. And for some companies, it's even the opportunities that arise from bringing their own core into the future, right? Digitization, for instance, there's opportunities that suddenly exist that weren't there before by doing that, that need uh, this corporate startup approach. Yeah. You mentioned it's matured a little bit, and yet I still hear tremendous and read tremendous things about the threat of, of, of new entrants, right? Of the small, nimble companies are going to come in and, and take take over a large slice of your of your product or market share. Um, so I guess it was there then, but it's still there now, isn't it? It's still a, a challenge for companies. It's still a challenge for, for companies, yes. But of course, it, I think it always matures maybe a little bit faster in my head because... <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but the companies I work with, I see that they have matured because the reason they set up the corporate venturing, the corporate startups, teams that they did, three, four years ago um, have changed and they should because you need a strategy and a vision that's connected to your core and your core innovation strategy to be able to pull innovation off successfully. Yeah. Are there any industries or, or certain types of companies that are like more advanced at it and kind of moving along or is it pretty much equal across industries? There are a couple of industries that are a little bit more advanced for the reason that it was easier to do digitization and see digital opportunities, uh, as well as the fact that they felt threatened by outside incumbents, right? So finance, insurance, these kind of industries uh, have felt the threat a little bit earlier than other companies may have felt the threat from outside startups. But also because technology played a big a bigger role in that part in that industry a little bit earlier maybe right by offering different and new solutions, so I, I think these are the industries that started a little bit earlier maybe than other <laughs> industries. 
we've done a lot of work around what we call smart products or hybrid products, this combined physical digital product. And it's really moving fast. And on some industries, I've heard them say, well, that's not for us yet. We're not there yet. And I'm thinking, yeah, but the first time a competitor comes or a new a new entrant comes who's got some kind of digital hybrid thing going on that's in your space, you're going to get real interested real fast in it, aren't you? So, yeah, so I think it's, it's, it is a curve across industries as near as I can see as well. Yeah, it, it also has to do with, with the maturity or the innovation levels of the company itself, right? So if there's a company that says, we can't do this yet, or there's still hybrid going on, or we don't see the digital threat, um, you as yeah. a company might, may not see it because maybe your systems haven't changed yet. Maybe you are not catering to your clients the way you should cater them, this, the way they're used to in this in this new world of technology, right? And startups might might see that, and they have easy access to technology. So it's 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 also a question of how are you looking at the world in terms of what what are you seeing? How are you seeing your clients and and what they're doing at at your at your current business? And and how do startups see that? It's not always uh, <laughs> something that is disruptive for the outside world that that might be disrupted for your company. Right, and sometimes it's the disruption comes from a product that puts your own products out of business. But sometimes it's it's something that's built around, let's say, your products. And it's like, oh, we should have done that. And the thing that's built around becomes huge, right? Becomes gigantic. And it's a missed opportunity. Uh, your core products might still sell at whatever growth rate they have, but there's huge opportunities that are missed, right? Yes. And it's it's a fine line of balance of of bringing that core into the future, right? And what opportunities are there in the near future, right? In the future in three to five years that you are seeing is going to happen and what things need to be solved then. And most startups are looking a little bit ahead. I mean, there's also startups that see that something is not offered by existing companies and, and, and see an easy fix doing an intuitive right. technical solutions. But there's also startups that look a little bit farther ahead. And those are the ones that people don't see coming. Those are the ones, the Airbnbs of the world that saw something that others didn't see because they saw what would happen if everybody would adopt a certain technology or have a certain demand or job to be done that wasn't true right now. And, and those future bets are the most interesting startup models. If you want to look at look at that within your company, that is something that the corporate startup talks about. So how right. do you, how do you deal with that? Is that even possible in a company where where you're working as a monolith of your current core uh, with all of your processes? Yeah. So is it possible? <laughs> so yes, we're in the book. We're saying it's absolutely pass possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what does it take? Uh, to get there, if you're kind of in this monolithic mode of working today, what do you do? What do you have to do? That's the thing, right? It's a lot of things that need to be done to get a, this, this beautiful idealistic ecosystem where both your core can thrive and grow into the future as well as dealing with, with internal startups that need a different way of approaching. Because it, it, it concerns your, your processes, it concerns your people, 
It concerns uh, networks working together with other people from outside of the company because you, you need other kind of perspectives. So it's a lot of things that need to be done. But the main message, I think, in the corporate startup is, is, is the one that Steve Blank also talks about. We know that the, the biggest learning of the 21st century is this search versus execute uh, thing, right? So mm -hmm. where your core company is executing on the on the business models that are known, which is optimizing, growing it, all of the processes around it are attuned to that. These startups are actually searching for a, a new working business model. And that search process just clashes with the execution of your core company. And what you want to do is cater for a little room within your your core right. system that allows for that search to happen. And you don't want to put it too far outside of your core company because the main advantage of corporates over startups is having these enormous resources of people and specialists and money that startups do not have. And and you do want to connect those resources to that little island of yeah mm -hmm. uh, of search within your core company. And, and what's the role of the C-suite in it? Is it just simply to say this is our direction and we're going to do it and we'll fund it, or is there a stronger role that they have to take? I think the thing in the book that we said right back then was what you need absolutely is mandate from the from the C-suite as well as air cover. Right, because there is is bound to be people against you. I was talking to uh, Greg Sattel the other day, and he said people will always sabotage your your change and your innovations. Right, right? It, it, up to a point where it looks like a a, a Game of Thrones like <laughs> environment, and, and that's not over exaggerated. That's that's true. People don't usually like, not always like what you're doing for for different reasons than you think. So you need some sort of air cover, and and of course you want the C-suite to to be aligned with the fact that they're going to spend money. Over the years that we start implementing this in into corporates, uh, we realized how important that role is of the C-suite. It's just not, it's not just the mandate of saying we want this. It's a mandate that is underestimated because I think at least one or two people in the C-suite need to understand that this is high risk, that it, it is different from what you're doing in, term, in terms of the core organization where you say yes to projects, yes or no, and then delegate it to other people. It's a high-risk business that needs understanding of of a, that different system and a different way of investing. Yeah, and they need to give the examples of that of it and ask the right right, right questions as well as giving the the air cover down the line. Yeah, right? because because there it's hard enough with all of the stakeholders and 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 people trying to sabotage you within the company. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that word air cover because that. That really does describe it pretty well. You know, Esther, a lot of companies are dealing with employee turnover right now. Four million people a month are changing jobs in the United States. It's it's right. crazy. It's a lot of people coming and going. They had a lot of time to ponder on what they wanted in this <laughs> yeah. pandemic, I, I yeah, guess. Yeah, <laughs> they did. They did. Do you think that uh, the corporate startups, the people working in those is, is an attractor for talent or maybe a retainer of talent? And how should companies, should they even be thinking about 
hey, let's for certain key employees that we need to keep that maybe are are not so satisfied with what they've been doing. They've been here a long time. They've been in the core. We could we could give them opportunities in the startup, or or is that just uh, wishful thinking and and doesn't really work because you can't take people and move them from spot A to spot B. No, I think you have to be real careful with that, right? Yeah. And there's a lot, a lot of companies that actually have thought this. There's this, this banking company that I've worked with uh, that thought that would be a great opportunity. But what you see is that there's many people that get lost come in between uh, jobs or there's no place with, within a company anymore that just gets shoved into the in, innovation uh, team, for instance. Even though the, the, the thoughts in, in itself were okay-ish, like maybe they're, they're better suited with entrepreneurship, what you see is that people that have no place or, or no real career path anymore, anymore just get shipped off to the yeah. innovation team and then you get stuck with people that you still have to educate on on what they need to do, but not always are motivated to do it. Right, right. So I think it's it's important to understand that there is a different skill set needed for these innovation teams, and you can get them both from outside as well as in your company because there's always people in your company that are intrinsically motivated. Uh, and see that something needs to be done or, or, or getting your, your company into the future. Uh, but it's it's mostly the people that you don't see <laughs> or are underestimated. And then they have to be educated in a specific way. And you need to understand what kind of people you need in your innovation teams. And those are a, a diversity of people uh, to be able to understand where you are going to get them from either inside the company or, or source from outside of the company. But you need to have some sort of idea of, of the people that you need and the kind of education that you, are, you can give or if you want these skill sets to be taken from outside. Yeah. But I'd be really careful of just placing random people that are... <laughs> that are <laughs> Good advice. Good yeah. advice. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I wanted to ask in the beginning, and I'm going to ask it now, Esther, can you define corporate venturing, innovation, and entrepreneurship? So three different words there, but uh, venturing, innovation, entrepreneurship, your definitions of those. My definitions. Those are really big questions. Do you realize that, Paul? <laughs> Why do I? I ask the expert. Because <laughs> innovation, it, it's just this huge yeah, it is. It is. thing that I think we talked about last time we as did. well. We did. Yeah. Right. I'm not sure if, if I can answer you what innovation is according to multiple sources around the world, right? What we're saying in the corporate startups as well as the innovation accounting book is that innovation is that kind of innovation that is is looking for an, an that is something new, looking for and looking for something new as well as a new business model. So it's creating value. The the extra thing that we're saying in an innovation accounting book is that it is often complex. So it's, it might be something new together with a new business model, but it could also be something new in a new market. And that complexity makes it that innovation bit. So right. whether you call it disruptive innovation or, or something else, that's yeah. what we say is innovation. Yeah. Well, then entrepreneurship, right? I always start to laugh a little bit at that word because I'm not sure what that means exactly. 
right? Because I've been asked several times to do a curriculum on entrepreneurship at, at schools, right? There's some um, there, there's, there are some universities that ask me to do guest lectures every now and then. On the Lean Startup, for instance, I've done some. On uh, on corporate startups, I've, I have done uh, some at the university here in Amsterdam. But on entrepreneurship, I always have that question of, is that something you can learn or is that something that is inside of you and the way you are intrinsically motivated uh, to do so? So I still don't have the answer. I think... For me, entrepreneurship is something that's inside of me because I'm intrinsically motivated to prove things to others. I don't have motivation through career or power or, or money. My intrinsic motivation is through proving things I can do differently or I can do in a different way or and I always have ideas around that. So I'm not sure. Maybe you should somebody else know what, what <laughs> entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate. Thanks for taking the tough questions. <laughs> yeah, it's a word that's used a lot, right? It's it's a word. It that- is, and I think it's becoming more important. But that's mainly because I think the whole society or the whole economy is changing a little bit, where we we move from this industry driven with a lot of employee like people back to a little bit more redistributed entrepreneurialism that we had before that. But I'm not sure that that is then something I can define because it's probably also changing its meaning over time. Yeah. Okay. Good, good. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, these words are used out there and people just have to be careful and how they use those words, right? Well, the words actually lose their value once they're they're used. Like lean startup, for instance. Like this yeah. is, I know you asked for a third definition, but lean startup is one of these examples where, or just the word startup, uh, is one of the words that yeah. is coined by Steve Blank specifically because he said, "This is something different than a starting business." What we're seeing here is high risk. There's long times when people are searching for that business model. We need a term to define that so that we know what it is and know how to deal with it. That's where the whole term startup comes from, right? right? It's that temporary team that is searching for a scalable uh, business model. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of uh, talk about it. it's the scaling part or it's the, it's the risky part, but it's the search part that makes it the most important thing, right? It's that temporary team that's searching for a business model that works. And that's where the whole term startup came from. And then marketing thought, this is a really nice hip word. And everybody that yes. is a startup seemed to be happy young people. Let's use that to, for, for other things as well. Let's <laughs> use that for the starting bakery or the hairdresser around the corner. And now startup. For some companies, startup is even a word I'm not allowed to use in the situation because they feel it. It's it's really yeah yeah. It's not what they mean, or it's associated with things that they don't like. And I think that is through I don't know marketing overuse, overly used by people that don't understand where it came from in the first place. I was even called by the a committee uh, from the Dutch government that said, we are defining what startup is. Can you help us? And I'm like, <laughs> somebody did that 10 years ago. What is, no, 12 <laughs> years ago. I think it's 12 years ago. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for sharing that perspective. It's really, really fun to hear. 
And if we think of non-corporate startups, the other startups, the small little... The ones that started that whole startup. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> the startup startups. <laughs> I know you're very active in that in your community in, in the Netherlands, very much in the startup culture. You were, you were there at the beginning of it um, when it was kind of uh, getting started. And I think that's what Amsterdam Next is all about. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So we actually started Next Amsterdam. Next Amsterdam. Sorry. Yeah. Around, yeah. around the, the notion of the first accelerators that were out there and, and how to actually help startups uh, in a different way than was done uh, at that point before. So yeah, that's how, that's how we started our company. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty neat. Well, Esther, it's it's always wonderful to talk to you, and and uh, you bring such great perspective and a lot of enthusiasm. I don't know if there's any final remarks you wanted to make before we we close our session. I still want to know that third definition you oh, wanted me to talk about. Co corporate venturing. Corporate venturing. Oh yeah. Well, there's there's two ways this is can be explained. So for some companies, corporate venturing is the actual investing in outside ventures startups so they have a fund where they say this is our innovation thesis and these are the things that we know we can't do inside of a company let's invest in outside ventures and startups so this is our venture fund and this is corporate venturing which makes perfect thing perfect sense now corporate venturing is also used for corporates that are saying there's some things that we don't want to leave to outside startups because maybe we see opportunities here that we can build on whether it is on our our core that we're currently digitizing and we see new opportunities coming or we see things in the future that are, that are either a threat or an opportunity for current business models. And what we want to do is make sure that we um, invent the things that are solutions for that. Right. So let's try to set up startups and opportunities and ventures internally ourselves with our own people, with their own skill set. And so th those are two things. Uh, that are explained by that corporate venturing word. Right. So maybe we need to reinvent those words as well. <laughs> <laughs> and both are, all of that have portfolios. You have portfolios, your external investments, portfolios of your internal investments. Yeah, portfolios. so your internal investments in, in corporate startups, I wouldn't call them portfolios because what I, what I call a portfolio is existing projects and services and and products right they're they're there they're in your portfolio and they're they're doing something they're giving you revenue right <laughs> hope for hopefully right so your internal startups that you're trying that you're testing with that you're experimenting are the opportunities for tomorrow's portfolio so they're your funnel right and maybe of those 30 things you have in your funnel to end up in your portfolio of tomorrow or the day after tomorrow, but it's not your portfolio yet. Yeah, and you wrote it. You wrote a, a LinkedIn post. I even commented on it, and you had an expression in there which was right there. It said, "Today's up. Today's opportunities are tomorrow's." Yeah, this. I forget the exact phrase you used. Do you remember it? I think it's the ideas in your funnel today are the, or the opportunities in your funnel are the products and services of your portfolio tomorrow something yeah, like yeah, that yeah yeah it was really it's it's a great way to think of it. i thought that's it that describes <laughs> it really well <laughs> so great well esther thanks for joining us i uh hope you have a great uh 
uh, rest of this year and a good entrance into next year and um, keep in touch, okay? Yes, keep it light and, and keep safe. You too. And to all our listeners, thank you very much. Glad you could join us again and hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.